Nathan, hey, midweek, I heard that you guys are a crazy bunch. Who is like the hype student in the youth ministry? Who's the hype? Who's the hype? Lucas, can you bring the hype tonight? I want you to get up on that chair. I want you to get us hyped up, scream, be louder than the whole crowd can be right now. Are you ready? I'll count you down, man. Three, two, one. Let's hear it. Yeah. Oh, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. My man, thank you so much. I'm telling you what, one of the things in my life is living life to the fullest. And being the hype man, being the hype woman, whatever you are in this room, is part of living life to its fullest in your own way. Um, I tell you what, I love doing incredible things from, from laughing with my friends at the Nuggets game to skydiving to whatever life has to offer. I don't want to miss any of it. And I, how many of you like that too? Whatever you're at, you're like, I just don't want to miss out on what other people are doing. I, I got to check my phone all the time. I'm on Instagram, whatever you're on. You always want to be a part of what's going on, right? Living life to its fullest can be defined differently. But my favorite part of living life is when I get to gather with people and get them excited, inspired to live life. Like uh, once in a while, I'll take them to Top Golf. Have you guys been to Top Golf? Oh yeah, my people. Um, I love hanging out at Top Golf. I don't even have to be good at golf, but just hanging out there, having a lot of fun, laughing, just inspires people. Movies. I love going to movies with my friends, hanging out with people, and just catching it. And that's honestly why I'm super excited to be here tonight. One big truth is this, God absolutely has a created life for each and every one of us, a life that's to its fullest. I mean, the best life you could think of. When you think about going to school and you're sitting in class and you're saying, how do I get the most out of this class? God's already thought of it. God already has a plan for you. It's not random why you're sitting next to somebody in class. It's not random why you have that teacher, whether they're good or bad and sometimes they're just bad. Maybe you're there to encourage them and help them see life to its fullest. But God has a plan for you. And it's crazy to think that he has a created life for you. But we know this story, right? We've all chosen to honestly live life our way. We're like, God, we know better. And we usually end up doing things that hurt others. These things that are called sin that separate us from God. And it keeps us from living this created life, this life to its fullest that Jesus honestly came and died for, right? We know that story in God's word where um, Jesus had to come and die on the cross to pay for our sins. Not just the story, but the reality of God himself saying, I want to put you in a place where you can live life to its fullest. It's why Jesus came. You're not supposed to miss out on life. And that's why I'm really excited to be here tonight as you guys are in the middle of this series called Deadly Sins, because it's those sins that keep us from experiencing the life that Jesus offers us. You, before you become a Christian, you're kind of bound by sin. You're kind of stuck. Your only options are to just sin all the time. But when Jesus died on the cross, he gave you the way out to no longer be bound by sin. And now you have the choice. You can still choose to sin, or you can choose to begin to get away from sin. And the reason why Jesus offers us that life is because for us to have the best created life, we've got to choose it. We've got to say, I'm not going to do that. God says, this is the best way. And so I'm all about it. And I want to be involved in it. So thanks for letting me be here tonight. I know last week, Nathan kicked off the series uh, with a word. Let's see, what was the sin he talked about last week? Anybody remember what the word was? Yeah, what is it? Prideful, man, that's awesome. Well done, man. You got, you got one right there. Give that guy that $50 gift card. Um, I don't got one, my bad. All right, well, Nathan talked about prideful and, and just like uh, he shared pridefulness, we all have it. Like, this is a natural uh, sin that all of us are gonna struggle with at some level or another. And uh, the truth is a lot of us don't see it. We don't think we have it, but we've got it. And it's something we've gotta begin to do. And he also talked about how last week, 
pride is kind of a root sin, right? It's like everything you do, you kind of like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And at the end, you finally go, because it was prideful. It was a prideful decision. I wanted myself to be lifted up. Um, tonight, I want to talk about two sins. And there's two sins, I think, and there's probably a few more, but these two big ones kind of wrap up into one word. And so I'm going to be using all three of these words tonight but they mean the same thing, okay? So we're gonna talk about laziness tonight. How many of you guys are lazy? Yep, my hand's up. Uh, how many of you guys, <laughs> yeah, when you love it when we admit this? And the other one is a word that we don't use very often, but all of us do is gluttony. How many of you guys are a bunch of gluttons? You ever heard that? You're a glutton for punishment. You always set yourself. Who's the kid that every day in class, the teacher sends you out because you're in trouble? Yeah, you're a glutton for punishment. That's what yours is, right? That's that sin. Um, we're gonna talk about those two words, but I'm gonna wrap them up into this third word called self-indulgence. We just wanted a ginormous word that middle schoolers will never use outside of church, right? Self-indulgence. Can you guys say it with me? Self-indulgence, ready? One, two, three. Self-indulgence. Dude, you guys are on. You guys are on. Who can spell that? No, we don't have time for that. Um, listen, self-indulgence, Webster's Dictionary. Let's listen to another giant uh, definition. It says this, it's the excessive or unrestrained gratification of one's own appetites, desires, and whims. Huh? I mean, in other words, being lazy because I feel like it, getting more than I need because I want it. Does that sound like us? Right? Just being lazy because I want it. Man, I didn't have sleep last night. What are you talking about? You didn't need that much sleep in the first place. Or I want it. I need it. No, I want it. Why? I don't know, because they wanted it. And I want to get it because they want it, right? It's this idea that's this excess. We don't even need it. Let's take a look at our, our main verse tonight. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19 tonight. And um, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Uh, I think it's a, a reliable um, summary of God's Word. And I, I love what it has to say. So, so read along with me. And, and I want to tell you a secret about God's Word. There is more going on than just you looking at words or listening to me read words to you. There is something dynamic, mystical, if you will, something mysterious happening when we read God's word. It does something for us and to us. So when we read God's word tonight, I want you guys to put yourself aside. Just go, okay, wait a minute. I might be goofing with my friend. That's totally fine. It happens once in a while. But at that moment, stop for a minute and say, God, I want you to do something through these words that you've written down, that you've gotten down for me to do something in my life today. So here we go. Philippians chapter three, verse 17 through 19 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after after mine. Paul's talking and he's living his life for Jesus. He says, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example, more Christians, more disciples of Christ, right? For I have told you often before, and I say it again. And he says with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows uh, that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ, Man, Paul is beaten up right here. Paul is sad that there are people who are enemies, would, would, would say that to anyone. I'm an enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ. And they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about life here on earth. And when we think about laziness and gluttony, I don't know that any of us think it's deadly right? We're not like, if I sleep in today, death will be upon me, right? Nobody thinks like that. We don't think about those kinds of things like that. But the Bible gives us so many examples, so many stories of how self-indulgence, right? This idea of always putting my choices because I have no good reason why, but it's me first, me first. This self-indulgence 
um, it begins to sneak into our lives. And the Bible tells us how it creates damage, how it begins to build this idea that we could really just consider it to be this classification of death. So we talk about tonight with death, right? We talk about the deadly sins. And I think they did a great job last week talking about this. We're not talking about you sin and you die, right? Like, like physical death. It can happen, right? We, we understand that sin can harm us. But what we're talking about is the life that Jesus offers for you, the life that God gives you is dead. Like all of that dead. And that word is powerful, dead. And so we're gonna keep using that word. And so tonight we're gonna just journey on three ways. Three ways real quick. Number one, the presence of self-indulgence. What is it, right? Where does it exist? The second thing is the problem with self-indulgence. Why is this a problem? Why do you need to listen tonight and walk away with something to do? What is the problem that we have? And then last, the path to true satisfaction. Isn't that what we want? In all areas, we wanna have life to its fullest. You guys, life to its fullest. I'm not talking about life where you're like, dude, that was cool, I had a good time. Hey, I smiled a bit tonight. I'm talking about walking away, feeling like life was not only poured into you and you experienced it, but there was so much that it poured out into others and you began to make an impact. Even if you're the most introverted student, passion and life with Christ will just flow into other people's lives. Life to its absolute fullest, man. I am excited tonight. Let's jump in. The presence of self-indulgence. The presence of self-indulgence. All right, what do you think about when you picture laziness or gluttony? Man, I, I immediately, I just think about some dude in the basement of his house. He's on the couch. Oh, the clothes are just soiled in like whatever he's been eating or drinking and, and, or, or hasn't showered in days. Uh, there's, there's potato chips everywhere. He's binging Netflix like crazy, not even to watch the shows. He doesn't even care anymore what Netflix has to offer. He's just like, next, 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 right? There's soda cans all over the place. He, it's, it's, it reeks of odor, kind of like a middle school boy. Always, right? No, I'm just kidding. You guys are showerers, right? I hope you guys, deodorant, soap. No, I hope you guys use it. Okay. Um, but I picture laziness uh, just as, this, as this, this individual that is just honestly not to a place of wastefulness. Like they're still eating even though they're not even hungry, right? Uh, they just keep eating and eating and eating and, and to a place where everything they do is just wasteful. And it just smells wasteful. Oh, I hope not. That's terrible. Um, yeah, dinner time. I like that. All right. Um, and, and while those stereotypes, maybe when we think of that might be correct, right? Like they might be correct. Um, there's sometimes a lot more to laziness and gluttony than that. And that's why I want to talk about, like, we always think of, kind of the extreme, like I'll never be, dude, I would get up after a week. Come on, I'd shower, right? Like I'm not talking about that extremity. I'm talking about these things that we see even the beginning of laziness and gluttony in. Um, so that's kind of where we see laziness and gluttony happen. Now, what is laziness? Laziness is the avoidance of responsibility. Like that's the ultimate definition there, the avoidance of responsibility. You're like, I know I should feed the dog, but I'm doing, who cares what I'm doing? I'm not gonna feed the dog, right? And, and, and there's harm and there's detriment to that, the dog, right? He's gonna start chewing on your socks and then you're gonna get in trouble for leaving your socks. Spiral, right? We can go way too far. But laziness, avoiding all this responsibility. And it can look like, right? Just laying in bed or on the couch all day, not doing anything. You get a day off from school and what do you do? 
Nothing. Yeah, you sleep all day. You're like, I am still tired, even though it's 11 a.m. Um, right? Like, you're like, you don't need that. Um, forgetting to read a text because you know it's one of your parents asking you to do something. You're like, beep. And you're like, oh, wait. Nobody be texting me right now because they're out of school sleeping. That'd be my parents. I'm not going to check that, right? That's laziness. Um, how about not seeing what someone asked you to do? Hey, can you pick up your room? You're like, yeah. And you walk in, you're like, I don't even know what I pick up. Right? Like you just can't see what needs to be different in your life in that space. How about saying you'll do it later? Oh, I'll get to that later. Uh, my, my kids, I've got four kids. I've got a freshman in college. I've got a freshman in high school. I've got a sixth grader and I've got a third grader. We planned it perfectly like three years apart so that they'll just never leave the house. Um, and my ninth grade freshman, it is my favorite. Like right now, dishes not getting washed and put away, which is not the hugest thing in the world, but it's, like just, it's a simple task. Just put it away, right? And it's always like, hey, do you got the, out of his mouth before I even say this, I'll do it later. I'm like, no, you won't. All right. Uh, we'll be yelling about that later. Okay, so what's gluttony? What is gluttony? Gluttony is excessive consumption. Excessive consumption. Those of you that are eating right now, you're like, is this excessive? No, excessive consumption. It can look like this. And, and I'm going to use some words that you have to understand in this because it's kind of a hard definition. Instead of balancing what you eat, right? Um, you consistently, you're eating the whole bag of chips. You're, you're eating the entire tub of it now. You need to try that once, okay? I'm not saying gluttony is, hey, I wanted to see what eating an entire bag of chips looks like. You gotta do that sometime in your life. You have to, okay? You gotta have the entire carton of ice cream one time and most of the time, just to let you know, it feels awful, right, when you're done. But it's consistently. It's, it's saying, no matter what I do, I just consume, 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 and I have no idea why. I have no need. I just take, 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 take. Because that is an attribute that will seep into every part of your life, into, into areas of your friendships, into areas of your family life, into areas of your birthday. What do I want? I just want stuff, everything. And then you get it and you're like, nah, right? Like I want, I gotta consume. Um, instead of balancing entertainment, right? Balancing entertainment, consistently having video game marathons all day, all night, or consistently just like grinding through Netflix for multiple days at a time. Now I'm not saying video games are bad. I'm not saying playing video games for a few hours at a time if your parents are letting you do that, right, is bad. I'm saying that when you are just in this marathon mode and no matter what you do, you're like, one more level. Oh, one more level. And you're like, well, that would have been a good night's sleep, but one more level. Oh, I should be getting ready for school. One more level. Oh, now I'm in trouble for being late for school. Like that, that is this idea of gluttony. It's too much. Um, instead of balancing phone use, being on your phone all the time or or obsessing about the latest trends, having the latest stuff. Like these are forms of gluttony, right? And we usually see gluttony when it comes to things like food or drink. And the Bible talks a lot about it in those regards. But man, gluttony can be found so much in our American culture. More, more. Why? I don't know. I don't care why. I just need more. So self-indulgence, this word we're using with, with laziness and gluttony um, is really common, and it's summed up by society kind of like you do you, right? Um, whatever you got to do for you, you get it done. Make it happen, right? It's, it, it's your life, you figure it out. Your parents are like, don't do that. And you're like, okay, no, I'm doing me. Like, I, I, I know what I need in my life. I don't care what advice you have. I'm doing what I want to do. That's this idea of self-indulgence. And it's a lot more present in your life, in my life, than we really want to admit or think. But it's present because we live in a self-indulgent world, our whole world is about consumption. If those of you are on social media already, like you know, 
The entire thing is targeted towards you to get, 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 right? To be able to have. And similarly to pride, people typically don't think of themselves as self-indulgent, right? If I was to be like, how many of you are self-indulgent? You'd be like, well, the pastor said, you know, I should, I should raise my hand, that's me. But you don't walk around school being like, I should probably be careful today because I am so self-indulgent, right? You don't classify yourself as that. We typically kind of justify our actions kind of saying, wait a minute, I needed that. That's why I took that. But in reality, you really just should have said, okay, fine, you're right, I wanted that. I didn't need that, I wanted that. And that's, that's some things to think about as we start talking about this idea of self-indulgence. So why is self-indulgent bad or deadly? I want you guys to say that word deadly with me. I'm gonna count of three, ready? One, two, three, deadly. That's a, that's a powerful word. You know what I'm saying? Like we just don't throw that word around lightly. It could be deadly to us. Why is it though? So what's the problem with self-indulgence? Well, what typically happens to an appetite when you continue to feed it? What happens? When you feed your appetite on something, you're like, ooh, my appetite says I should, I should watch this Netflix, Netflix series and there's 95 episodes. I'll just watch one or two. And then you're like, you know what? I'm gonna do one more. I'm gonna do one more. What happens? Does it begin to, to shrink and go away? Or does it just grow and grow? And grow. And then you put it away, and then what happens? You think about it, you think about it, you think about it, and you come back to it. It's just as strong and just as angry and just as taken over your life, right? It grows inside of us. It begins to be big things in our life. And, and you may feel kind of temporarily satisfied. You're like, oh, shoot, I'm so caught up with the life story of this individual. I feel so good. But that eventual appetite comes back bigger and stronger, continuing to be fed. So self-indulgence does this. It leads to a decline of motivation. And I'm just gonna tell you, when you are more and more unmotivated, it absolutely eventually leads to death. There, there is literal TV shows about people who sit in their bed or on their couch and have not left it for years. Have you seen these shows? They're terrible. I, I'm like, who never got up? I don't understand. There's so many questions I have but it led to their death or it led to them having emergency help needed to save their lives. Now, I hope none of us find ourselves in a place where you're like, wow, I indulged myself so much to where I finally died because of it. Because that's not what I'm cautioning you here tonight. I'm not worried about that for you tonight. What I'm worried about is you missing out on life, life to its fullest, the best friendships, the best relationships, the best ability to become who God created you to be to make an impact for this world and live out your purpose. Because if you don't, you will feel lonely, you will feel worthless. And, and, and although depression is a real thing that we all struggle with, you will begin to slide into a place where you have no control over the way that you feel. And that's why it's so important for us to think about what self-indulgence does. So let's read James chapter one. James chapter one, verse 14 through 16. And it says this, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. That sounds terrible. They drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. We're like, you ever wanna know where babies come from? Should we have that talk tonight, Nathan? No, okay. But it gives birth. It gives new life. We understand that when a baby is born, it grows and it begins to be its own individual. And that's exactly what the Bible is trying to get us a picture that's happening with our sinful desire is that it gives birth to sinful action. And then when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death, right? This next thing begins to consume. And then 
James says this, so don't be misled, my dear brothers. Don't be misled. Don't, don't fool yourself. You're like, ah, that's just some people. Oh, that's just Henry. We know Henry. That guy's done for, right? No, that's us. Don't be misled. So here's an example. And this example is going to start off pretty relatable. And then you guys are going to be kind of like, wait a minute. How did it get to this place? So here's my example. So my desire is to sleep in and miss school. And then before long, miss school often because I'm tired, I wanna sleep in. I wanna play video games in every free moment in my, in my day, and I try to stay up past bedtime just to finish one more level, right? I, I know mom and dad already went to bed, I should sleep right now, but I'll just one more level's not gonna hurt me. And I just begin to have this attitude, like one more, one more moment, one more time. And then before long, I don't really wanna do homework, right? Because I've got a video game to play, or I've got whatever that I, I wanna do. And so I, I begin not to do homework in class, uh, and then I also start skipping class. I'm like, dude, my game is mobile? No way. My parents didn't put restrictions on my phone. I can play all day at school in the bathroom, all right? Um, and so you play, you're missing school, missing class, and then your desires begin to drag you away from the, God, from the life God has for you, right? Because I'm now I'm kind of taking control of my life. It, it, it's dragging me away from what Jesus has for me today. I'm not even worried about what God's doing around me. I'm worried about what I want, Okay. So then, um, and what's this life that God wants for us? What's this life? Well, it's a life to work hard, to develop skills, to learn about what life's even all about. It's to be there for our friends. It's to learn to respect those who are teaching you skills and how to develop a love for life. You begin to stop caring about that stuff. But I just go ahead and give in to my desires and I just start to sin, right? I give birth to sin in my life. And I miss school often. I don't do my homework and I'm failing tests at school. And then all of a sudden I let this sin grow. And now I'm at the end of the semester and I have now failed my class. I failed. And I'll be honest, summer school is not gonna help you at this point in time because you don't care. Like you weren't even doing it when you had to go to school. And now there's this optional, terrible situation your parents have to be involved in called summer classes, trying to get things, and you're still failing those. And this continues to be your normal choice. And soon you fail all your classes. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in high school. Your parents are frustrated. They can't figure out how to help you anymore. And after a couple of years of struggling in high school, what's the natural choice? Well, drop out, man. I... I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be a video game professional and make money, right? Like I'm gonna be a YouTuber. I'm gonna be an Instagrammer. I'm gonna be an influencer. I'm gonna do all this. stuff. I'm not saying you can't do those things. I'm just saying you have this false sense of like, I'm gonna be somebody, but you haven't even been anybody yet, right? And so you drop out of high school and you start trying to live your life and then your parents eventually kind of go, whoa, you're not contributing at home at all. You act like you don't live here and you finally do the last thing like, yeah, I don't have to live here, right? And so you leave. And you're like, I'll figure it out on my own. And you start hanging out with friends. And they're like, dude, you can't sleep in my house. My parents think you're a slob. Like, you can't do that, right? You start losing friends. And before long, you're now kind of on the streets. Did you know that there are over 600 homeless teenagers in Denver right now? There's a ministry that ministers to homeless teenagers downtown. And they try to keep track. I mean, it's not like, it's not like they sign in. Hi, I'm a homeless teenager. Uh, can I have a, you know, a sandwich or something like that? They, they, but they begin to meet them and they have met 600 homeless teenagers. Teenagers who believe this same thing. I've got life figured out. And you guys, there is some bad stuff happening to these teenagers on the streets. Some of them are forming communities and doing worse things together. And a lot of them, honestly, 
are physically dying. And I hate to bring that up, but I wanted to just emphasize again this, 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 this nasty trend that begins to be a part of our life eventually when we let sin kind of, kind of grow in our lives. This self-indulging choice you make does eventually lead to death, but maybe it doesn't lead to physical death for you. Maybe it just begins to, to lead to death in your relationships. You can't keep friends anymore. Your family wants nothing to do with you. You don't even know how to be a friend to anybody. Your hopes, your dreams begin to die. And, 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 and honestly, living out the life that God has for you has been put to death a long time ago. And where are you at? Now, that's just a, a sad scenario. It's a sad scenario that can happen. But I wanna let you know, the worst part isn't the ending. The worst part is every moment of every day missing out on the life that Jesus has for you. The life-giving, created life that he has for you to live out each and every single day. Because we don't just choose that and go, today I'm gonna live for Jesus. We practice it every day. Who here is probably has the highest attendance record here at youth group? Yeah, all right, we got a few, I like that. Okay, you guys like battle it out. Who has been here the longest? Here's the deal. You aren't the longest attended student just because your parents forced you to come. You have chosen to practice coming week after week after week. But if I was to pull you aside as one of the, the, the longest attended students, I bet you you know the most about what God wants for your life than just this random student who's like, yeah, I come like once every three to five weeks, six months. You're like, you ask that student, hey, what does God want for you? They're like, I don't know, to come to church more? And the kid that goes to church more goes, no. I mean, yes, he wants you here to learn about him, but no, he wants way more than that for you because we practice it. When we practice it, we begin to get it. Believing, um, self-indulgence is not gonna get us, it's not gonna be a part of our lives, is just a flat-out lie. It's just like pride. It will creep in to something in your life. But remember, Jesus paid the price so that through him we could conquer this sin. We could do this. We could have that, that peace and that strength. It's not on our own choices. Man, I would never trust myself let alone a elementary student or a high school, I bet middle school could do it, or a high school student to make wise choices on their own. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them or myself because I know my track record. I know what choices that I make. It's absolutely crazy. Um, Self-indulgence is a problem because it never gives us lasting fulfillment. Oh, you feel it for a moment, right? Like right now, you might be checking your phone, Instagram, being like, oh, so-and-so just posted. And you're like, oh, that felt good. Then you're like, oh no, I just missed out on what was happening in this room. And I don't know if it was important or, oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It, it feels like it's gonna be lasting. And it doesn't. It fleets away so fast. Self-indulgence promises us instant fulfillment, but there's a catch. It's just temporary. That's your blank right there. It's just temporary. So self-indulgence makes a promise it can't deliver. It promises fulfillment, but delivers a quick fix. Think about putting a bucket under a, drip, a, a leaky roof, or, or maybe, you know, imagine that being uh, your, the, the roof above your bed starts leaking, and you're like, oh no, I don't want my bed to get soaked, and then, you know, it's gonna ruin everything in my room, it's gonna fill up, so you grab a bucket, you put it underneath there, and you're like, yes, I got it. What's gonna happen? The bucket's gonna fill up and overflow, like you didn't solve the problem, you just did a temporary quick fix, and that's a lot of like what happens um, when we think that self-indulgence is going to fulfill our lives, it's like putting that bucket under, under a desire, under a want, or under a thought that we think we need that. Um, so then, what is the path to true satisfaction? 
what do we do about this? Right? I spent a lot of time talking about the dangers of it, but what do we do about it? And why does it matter? Matthew 5, 6, you guys have been talking a little bit about these beatitudes and these, these, this upside down thinking that Jesus brought to the people of his day to be able to say, listen, you guys think it's one way, but here's the truth. The first are gonna be last. And they're like, the first, I'm the, I'm the first. I don't wanna be last. Wait, what are you talking about, Jesus? This is upside down thinking about how to live life. But it's God's way and it works every single time flawlessly, beautifully. And in Matthew 5, 6, he talks about something that we don't talk about enough or think about enough. It's this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. It means this, pursue righteousness. Pursue God for right living. What's righteousness? Right living. It's living the right way. It's making the choices that are gonna benefit others around you, which ultimately benefit you instead of being like, I'm making choices for me. Benefit myself first, right? We get so trapped in self-indulgence because we think we need more of whatever it is in order to be satisfied. If I could just get the new shoes that are out, like, like, like they're incredible. If I could just get those, then I'm gonna be somebody. And then you get them and you're like, well, that didn't do much. Although everybody is asking about my shoes today. Tomorrow, they're like, wait, those are the new shoes? Shoot, all right, I gotta go get those, right? Like it, it, it fleets, it does not stick with us. We need more sleep, more Netflix, more social media, more video games, more stuff, more stuff, more of whatever you're after. We need more. You don't need more. Because when you go after more of the wrong things, you're actually settling for less, less life. So Jesus says, pursue a relationship with God and you'll be fulfilled. He doesn't say, pursue more of the latest style, latest trends, the latest language. And I remember asking some students about, you know, just, I hear, hear them drop a, 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 a cuss word. You know, they're like, I'm not gonna say it. Um, but they just drop it. And I'm like, hey, so wh- why? why? Why did you say that? And they always are like, I don't know. I just hear it all the time. Right? They had no idea the power of the word or words that they're saying. And it's damaging. It leads to death. So how do we receive fulfillment through pursuing righteousness, through pursuing God for right living? Well, we experience God and the lasting benefits of the created life he has for us. When we experience God, we begin to see the lasting benefits that are created for us. Pursuing God for right living in relationships will produce long-lasting, healthy friendships or relationships in general. When, when you ask God, God, why should I date? Maybe some of you guys are already in this zone. A lot of you probably, if you're, if you're in sixth grade or if there's any fifth graders in the room, probably like, actually, I, not yet. <laughs> you know, right? But if you're already in the zone where you're like, hey, I know I am kind of attracted. I, I, I do want to get to know somebody. I do want to date. God has stuff to say about that. He actually knows the right way to do it if you choose. And if you don't do that, you know what I hear from high schoolers and college age people that said, I just started dating because everybody else did. They talk about broken hearts. They talk about places where they can't trust anymore. They talk about hurt that's deep that they can't get rid of on their own. And I'm not talking about a few. I'm talking about 100% of the people who dated the way that they wanted to date instead of asking God how he has a plan for that. They talk about this harm and this hurt in their life. When we pursue what God has, we feel great in friendships with our family, with our friends, and then eventually in that space as well. Pursuing God for right living in entertainment, right? It'll produce great satisfaction in what we accomplish. When you can balance your video games or your phone usage or your Netflixing or whatever it is you're doing, when you balance that, when you ask God, hey, what do you have for me in this? I mean, he's for it. He's not against those things. There's danger in them, but God has a plan for you in that. 
Pursuing God for right living in whatever you find yourself doing day in and day out will be satisfying and successful. It will. The first time you ever talk to somebody and you ask them, do you need Jesus? And eventually they go, yeah, I think I do. And you say, I know how, to, I know how you can have Jesus in your life. Do you wanna do that right now? And they put their faith and trust in Jesus and you begin to see God change their life. There's no better feeling. I didn't do anything, right? I just let God begin to work in somebody else's life. There's no better feeling. No better feeling than watching God do something around you. So how do we do this? Where do we start tonight? I want you to do this. Believe that God alone can satisfy. That's the first thing you need to do is you gotta believe that God alone can satisfy. If you don't believe God will satisfy you, you won't seek him for satisfaction. You'll, you'll seek the things that you think, the things that your friends say are worth it. So John 4, chapter 13, um, John, John 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 13 through 14, it says this. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Do you think he's talking about water? That first one, yes, he's talking about water. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Do you think he's talking about water? No, not this time. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them and gives them eternal life. He's just equating the idea that when you're thirsty, you drink water. It quenches your thirst for the moment. And that's even false. Like it doesn't even like help you for long. And Jesus is like, listen, if you want to take that same analogy, what you're thirsting for is what I have. And when you take hold of it and when you say, I want it, it will begin to be inside of you and it will change your life. Pursue the water Jesus gives, right? Use that analogy. Pursue the water that Jesus gives. Put into practice the things that he tells you to do to seek him. So the word is discipline. Discipline yourself. How many of you guys like the word discipline? Yeah, all the athletes in the room kind of raise their hand. The rest of us are like, no, no. I, I mean, I know if I don't run, I'm gonna not make the team. So I gotta have some discipline, right? I had to have a little about that. Discipline is the word. Discipline doesn't feel good in the moment, but it's hard but it does produce amazing results. It actually helps us begin to live that life to its fullest or at least find the life to its fullest. Discipline is what makes a relationship with God easier. Like life's not about discipline, right? Like you, I'm not saying just do discipline and, just, and then leave God out of it, just discipline. No, discipline is what makes our relationship with God easier. So think about it. If you are disciplined to come to youth group and church, it's easy to learn about God and experience him. If you're disciplined, if you come all the time, it's easy to find out more about him. Duh, right? If you're disciplined about reading your Bible or talking to your friends about Jesus, it's just easier to see God working in and through you. You're like, oh my goodness, God's actually using me. He's, he's like using things because I read God's word and I pray to him, right? Like I do those disciplines, I find him. If you choose to be disciplined about not wanting to get too much, like, man, I, I don't want to be a glutton. I kind of want to be careful about that. Um, then it's easier to give God space in your life. God, I have some extra time. I can give it to you. I can see what you're up to and I'll give that to you, right? If you choose to be disciplined about avoiding laziness, uh, it's easier to see what God is doing around you and join him in living life to its fullest, right? If you're like, well, I'm gonna get up and go hang out with friends or family or see what people are doing, you can see what God's doing around you. I wanna challenge you tonight to pick a discipline, Pick a discipline in your life, just one. Just, just pick one because you can always pick more later, but get one down, start one. Pick a discipline that starts in your life and will help you begin to do this, to reject the choice of self-indulgence. It pops up, that's for me. No, I reject that because this is what helps me reject that. Pick a discipline that will begin to replace that thought with something that God wants for you. A discipline could be something like, 
a spiritual discipline, like for instance, the Bible app. How many of you guys have the Bible app on your phones? Bible app, one of my favorite, you guys. When you open the Bible app, there's all these reading plans you can find. It's absolutely incredible. Um, oh, I'm right in the middle of a, of a devotional. It's not gonna show me. All right, uh, but when you open it up, it's all these topics. You're like, oh, laziness. I'll just talk about that. Let me do like a five-day devotion. Somebody talking to me about what God's word says about laziness. And you can begin to have this discipline in your life and you'll begin to see things change all around you. Maybe it's memorizing a verse that you can say when things get tough. It could also be some alarms you set when you're playing games or Netflix and be like, when that alarm goes off, I'm gonna turn it off. I'm gonna set this time frame and do this for myself because I think it's relaxing, I think there's benefit, but it's gonna get too much and I'm done. You might even add some guidelines to your routine, maybe to help you serve your family or friends or have you ever thought about serving your teachers? Thanking them, when you thank your teachers, all of a sudden you see maybe God does something in the midst of that humbleness, right? Or thanking a coach, so here's my challenge on the screen. Pick a discipline to start in your life that will help you reject choosing self-indulgence. So let me close with this. What do you believe? I want you to, to be right now, just you're alone in this room. What do you believe? Do you believe a relationship with God will bring you satisfaction? Or do you believe that happiness is found in self-indulgence? If you keep trying to find satisfaction from the world and from yourself, it's only going to lead you to death. It's serious. Death of happiness, death of contentment, death of relationships, death of motivation, and eventually you will fail. But if you will turn to the Lord and seek him, seek a relationship with him and pursue even a, a deeper walk with him, then you're going to find true and lasting satisfaction. In fact, what we're about to do here in a few moments is a great example of lasting satisfaction. Tonight, we're gonna to celebrate some students who are choosing to work on a disciplined walk with Jesus. They're making a bold choice. They're making a bold choice here tonight. They're choosing to follow Jesus' example and command to be baptized because they put their faith in Jesus already. Because they have salvation, they are choosing to do what Jesus did and modeled and commands believers to do, to be baptized, to be a symbol, to be a sound in our world, to let God's life for them be seen. By being baptized, they're gonna celebrate the life that they're living through Christ. And so right now I'm gonna pray. And then when I say amen, I think we're gonna begin to have this celebration together as the family of God, to celebrate together what God's doing in someone's life. And I hope this is impacting for you. I hope you think about the significance of what baptism means. Follower of Jesus, proclaiming life to the world around them. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this time and thank you for what you're doing in and around us right now, here in this youth ministry. God, you've given us a safe place to learn about you. I pray that each and every one of us God would begin to look at these sins that we're talking about and not be overwhelmed with them and say, I'm, I'm so terrible, but to stop and realize that the whole reason we're talking about them is so we can be thankful to Jesus, to the son that you sent here, fully God, fully man, to die for us and to free us from those sins so that we can actually experience the life that you have for us. I pray for my friends here tonight, God, that you'd work in their lives to not only live this, but to be an example of this and begin to produce this in others' lives, their friends' lives, that they would know you and that they would live for you. Let us be world changers, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Hey, if you're getting baptized, I'm just going to invite you to, to stand over here on the side real quick. Uh, but students, uh, I tell you all the time that uh, the last Wednesday of the month uh, is one of my favorite Wednesdays. And it's not because of the food truck. It's not because we have a lot of fun. It's not because we go crazy for God and Jesus. Is, it's not that. It's this. It's this moment right here where we celebrate students who say, I want to go public with my faith. Who say, hey, it's time for me to take my next step with Jesus and be baptized. And that's what it's all about. That, that is why we come to church. We, we don't come to church to, to play crazy games and to have a lot. That's great. But it, if all we do is come to church to, to have fun and sit with our friends and eat good food or jump up and down during worship, we're missing the point. We miss the point. Right? The point is what these three girls are showing us tonight is that as we open our hearts to Jesus, he starts to do something in our lives. He starts to change our life and call us to live differently. And he he calls us not just to live differently like when we're in our bedrooms privately, but he calls us to live differently publicly, to like set the example in our families, to set the example in our classrooms. And that's what baptism is, right? Baptism is a, a public statement where we say, hey, I, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I want everyone to know that when they look at me, they can see Jesus. When they look at me, they can hold me to a higher standard. Because I want people to see the love of Christ in me. So it's, baptism is public, right? It says something about our faith. We tell other people about our faith through baptism, but it's also incredibly private. Man, and for for these three girls tonight, man, like, baptism for them, girls, for you, it, it is Jesus saying, hey, my love, my grace, my mercy, my forgiveness, it's enough. It's enough. And your sins, they're washed away. When you come out of the water and your past, it, it means something, right? It's helped make you who you are, but it doesn't define you. Jesus defines you. And I think there's something to be said in Scripture when it says that when one person comes to know Jesus, when one person comes to know Jesus, they are saved. I want to be clear, baptism doesn't save us. But it's part of this journey of following Christ fully. And so when they come up out of the water, I want us to go crazy. Scripture says there's a party in heaven. And now I don't think we can beat the angels in heaven because I think they probably throw a pretty rocking party. But I want us to try to get pretty close. And so when, when Taylor and Eden and Mara, when they come up out of the water, I want us to celebrate, not like, woo, yay. I want us to go nuts because that's how big of a thing this is. So I'm gonna invite Taylor up and Nicole. Nicole is gonna baptize her. 
We heated it just for you guys. Actually, it just comes out that way, so. And Taylor, we are so proud of you uh, and for your decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And it is because of your faith and nothing else that we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite Eden up first and her father, John. Man. Scoot up just a little bit for us. There you go. We don't want you to hit your head. And Eden, we are so proud of you and your decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus. And it is because of your decision to trust in Jesus and nothing else that we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in the newness of life. so, so proud of you. Your decision to place your faith in Jesus, it's life-changing. And it's because of your faith in Jesus and nothing else that we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in the newness of life. <laughs> 